Mike O'Hearn, completely natural. <laughs> the biggest natty daddy. He's looked the same since the 80s. Looked the same for yeah. 40 years. Um, <laughs> there's a video recently. Oh, a uh, little trivia question for you guys. Who's our background right now if you're watching the video? You got your, his forehead and his chest. Do, 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 do. Correct. Baby, it's don't Chris hurt me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Correct. It's Courtney False. King. It's a it's a mashup of of Hottie Rambot and Hottie Chupin, <laughs> both Hotties. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Michael Hearn, Michael Tren. Um, there's a video recently, RP. Um, Ren- I think it's Renaissance performance or something like that. Um, he's like a endocrinologist or sports. I don't really know too much about the guy who runs the YouTube channel, or at least is the voice of it and the face of it. But he um, he does videos about like uh, training and um, I think supplementation and talks about like steroids and stuff like that here and there. But um, I would say like with him, he he's pretty knowledgeable, I would say. And he has plenty of credentials to back up what he has to say. And he did a video about um, Michael Hearn's training. I think it was like a week or two ago that he posted it. I don't know how far ago the actual training video was, but um, basically every movement that he did was either like pointless, like, like a lot of the training he was doing, like the form and stuff like that was all correct, but some of the movements were pointless. Um, and then also just the way he explained it was completely wrong, you know? Um, so like he, he said the hammer curls were for your wrist and forearms, which is fucking not true. Um, he was doing a, uh, lap you can do a variation, you know, variation where it's well, wrist and forearms yeah all you got to do it's not a hammer curl at that point you go from straight up and down with your with your grip to overhand and then uh, you can still you can still lock it as a uh in your in your neutral position you just you're just hinging you're not curling i mean it depends like on how you, you do it but he's saying hammer curls are for your wrists and forearms okay so like as as a general statement yeah yeah he's okay. like this is what hammer curls yeah. are for um yeah you could really alter any movement to target a different muscle group but um, you saying hammer curls are for the wrist and forms. It's like, no, technically they're not at all. They're for the, for the outside head of the bicep. Um, that's really what you want to target there. You can target your forearms and your wrists. There are better movements though. I would say if you just turn your wrist a little bit and make it overhand grip and you'll be able to hit it much easier. But, yeah. um, so he said that shit and then like, he was training this guy and they were doing leg press and he had him like facing his toes inwards and it was just like. The study shows that um, if it's within your first 16 weeks of training or 16 weeks of a program is what he said, for 16 weeks of a new program, um, putting your toes during a quad movement has very little, if any, um, noticeable difference in targeting different quad heads. He's, he was saying long-term, absolutely. Long-term, you can point your toes in different directions. This is the RP guy. He's like, you could point your toes in different directions to hit different heads of your quads. But he's like, ultimately, um, if you're starting a new program or starting a routine or something like that, it'll take a while for your legs to adapt. And that's when you can start to you can start taking advantage. So he was saying, oh, we're going to target the outside of the, or inside of the quad by putting the toes inwards, which is wrong. If you want to do out inside of the quads, you do, you're putting your toes outwards. Um, so he had him backwards inside pointing inside is going to be the outside of your quads. And then he was doing a, um, 
it was a warm up, granted, but he was doing like rope pull downs, but he was doing it on like an incline bench. Um, so it was like, it was kind of it, like, it's a good movement, but you can't leverage the weight at all. There's no, nothing to leverage the weight, nothing fo- like fighting against the weight that you're pulling down. So he can only do less than what he weighs essentially, you know? So it's like, you can't really push that movement at all. And on top of that, using a rope, your grip, like the actual weight is also limited by your grip. Like you have, you have to consciously think about your grip with a rope in a movement like that. Tricep push down, stuff like that. Not really. You can kind of leverage it against your hands. You don't really need to worry about it too much, but in that particular lap movement, the way he was doing it, his, his hands are pretty neutral and he was pulling it towards him. So he had to really focus on like holding that grip there. Um, so it's just, it's just really funny to see. And, and our, like he, he's like Dr. Mike or Mike or something like that is his name. He, um, he kept throwing like very, very subtle jabs at him. And it was so funny. Uh, I've yeah. never seen him. Like I've seen quite a few videos from him and I've never seen him like really take a humorous approach. So it was, it was funny to watch. Um, and at the same time, Mike was like, oh, you're not supposed to train heavy when you're prepping for a show or something like he was prepping for something and he's like, you're not supposed to train heavy, nothing like that. And Mike's like, that's true. That's true. You should not be training heavy. You should be pretty training, pretty light, high reps, stuff like that, blah, 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 whatever he said. And then Mike goes, well, my show's tomorrow. And he's like, what the the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This makes no sense. You're training super hard and heavy the day before a show or whatever it was that he was doing. Makes no sense. But yeah, it was just, it was an entertaining video. You got to watch it. Yeah. I'll say, though, there's definitely a lot of content out there where Mike is talking some good information. Like, I've seen plenty yeah. of, of videos where I've genuinely learned a good bit from it. Um, but one thing I will say is just the, uh, and this happens not just with him, but across any basically celebrity status, people will either forget everything they know or just say things to appease to a celebrity figure. So, for example, I he was doing a video on incline press, incline uh, barbell press for, for your chest, and uh, Mike's talking to the guy holding the camera because, you know, it's just some fan recording him or something like that. And he asked the guy, and he goes, if you're doing this this press and your ass comes off, off, the, uh, off the, the bench, is that still a lift? And I mean, yes, it's a lift. You messed up your your incline movement, but like, yes, it's still a lift. And the guy behind the camera goes, "I genuinely don't know," <laughs> as he's just mm-hmm. trying to pull more stuff out of out of Mike. And it's just funny to see people react in that way instead of just like taking stance, yes or no. You're allowed to be right or wrong with someone. Like, in fact, I would prefer to be wrong and then be corrected by someone who knows more yeah. than taking a neutral stance and just claiming you know stupidity right and that's why you always say uh like asking questions is always a good thing like it's never a bad thing to learn more and if you're wrong like you really learn you really do learn from your mistakes so if you're wrong about something just learn from it and adapt you know exactly. um that's why you ask questions and you know school stuff like that the people who who struggle the most kind of just don't really pay attention. Don't give a don't, don't give don't give a shit and never ask questions. And that's when they struggle, you know. So it's always good to ask and see if you're doing something correct or doing something wrong or whatever. I would say that like something like that's like a lift, but I wouldn't say it's like a proper lift. 
Correct. And and that's yeah. what he said in his explanation. He's like, you messed up what you were trying to target. It's still by technicality a lift. You're still lifting something, but mm. it's not the incline press anymore. Yeah. And I, I mean, that ends up happening a lot, especially machinery. People end up arching mm. their back like crazy. And by the time you actually like really look at what you're doing, if you arch your back in a machine, like let's say like an incline press and you're arching your back, by the time you're like, done your set you're arching your back so much is basically a flat bench machine at that point mm. you know i see it all the time um and i also see like uh so one of the things that the, mike talked about in that video was um when you're stretching at the bottom of a chest press my chest is so sore when you're when you're stretching at the bottom of a chest press and like the bar is like touching your chest that's when you actually get like a disproportionate amount of hypertrophy and muscle gain so you say when you're doing a chest press um, like Mike was, he was benching, um, incline, incline bench four plates. And I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Mike was like, um, not Michael heard the RP guy was like, dude, he's like, regardless of what people say or think about Michael heard, like four plates and incline bench is fucking sick. <laughs> four plates for a regular bench is sick. Now make yeah. that incline absurd. I mean, and he does, he does that in the video and he's like slow controlled every it's not like you know when like someone's going for like um like an immature pr where you, you real quick down and then you struggle and push it up he's just like it yeah. if, from a casual bystander it's casual <laughs> yeah for sure um and he <clears throat> i mean mike's got he's been training for so long he's got super super thick dense muscles mm -hmm. so like even if you stop training it'll take a year for that shit to go away you know i mean probably years to be honest, because it's just so dense and it's so mature. It's been there for so long. Um, and that's what dense muscle will give you. It's going to give you godly strength over time. You know, eventually at one point he was like, Oh, I hit a PR for a place. Then eventually you got a few and then eventually become eight or nine. And then it's all of a sudden like your mid set or whatever. Um, but incline, I also think that like people really um, discredit incline for being like they play down or they play up how heavy it is. Like for me, my incline is as good, if not better than my flat bench. And that's because that's what I focus on the most, you know? So a lot of times people actually... end up focusing on mid pec more than upper chest. So that's why they think incline is heavier, but it just depends on how you focus on it. You know, being in men's physique, being, you know, focusing on shows and competing, upper chest is much more of a focus. So therefore my upper chest ends up being stronger. So doesn't necessarily mean it's the stronger version of the movement. It's still the same rough movement. It's just how you focus it, I guess. So I just wanted to yeah. say that real quick. I, I agree with that now that I think about it because my shoulders are my strongest. And because not that you target shoulders on incline, but it's more leveraged in that position in incline. Um, it's still a chest move and you still focus it that way. But, you know, you're going for the upper part. So I can I can now see that because I always thought about that too because my bench sucks my bench is my my like flat bench is my worst movement in terms of the weight I can move and incline I do most most of my inclines with dumbbells and I can do a lot like calculated adding the dumbbells together more on dumbbells than the flat bench on a bar. Yeah, I mean in incline you do um end up using a bit more shoulders uh in order to press it that's why a lot of guys don't agree with incline especially barbell um but i'm very opposite so like here's what's funny about bench is 
um, incline is the one that's supposedly bad for your shoulders, right? Flat bench is pretty neutral as long as you keep good form, nice and slow. Keep your angles at or your not angles, your elbows at like a forty-five degree angle or so. Um, all that, right? But the decline is supposed to be good for your shoulders. Your shoulders are pretty in a low position. They're kind of where they're supposed to be. All you're doing is pressing from your chest. But for me, it's the exact opposite. My shoulders feel so much better in an incline. But then when I go to do decline, I did it like a year ago and I could have sworn I was going to tear my fucking shoulder. I was like, this is, <laughs> is not for me. Um, I don't focus on anything lower pec really anyways, but um, yeah, decline for me is the exact opposite of incline as far as your shoulders go. Um, so that's why a lot of people prefer decline over incline. It's just because your shoulders and all that, and you can press more weight because you can put more behind it with decline. There's more weight or more strength you can put behind a decline press. Uh, so that's why they like hitting it, but no, incline's where it's at. Incline, incline or anything upper chest is what's going to make your chest pop and make it look that much bigger. But I yeah, can't even, so, mm -hmm. I can't even recall the last time I did decline. Like, I, we have the the one usage I have for a decline bench is that I do like sit I, I do I do sit ups on it like I do weighted yeah. sit ups on a decline bench that's the only thing I use it for like the last time I did it I was training at Empire a while back and that was just out of like I think it was the routine that was built for me at the time um, yeah but I and a lot of people will will you know there's so much hate for this machine but. For me, when I do an incline, it's the best connection I have. But my Smith machine inclines are where I get the absolute best feeling, best muscle connection, best pump, everything. So I I, I don't know if it's because I focus less on, like subconsciously focus less on the bar since I know I can click it in at any time and just focus everything into my chest. But for some reason compared to dumbbell incline or barbell incline the smith machine incline just is the best thing for me i mean that's that's the case for a lot of people you're not alone there smith mm. machine for incline you can get a super super good pump and then you can make it really hard and you don't have to worry about failing because you could just twist the bar a little bit and you'll re-rack it so you could really push yourself to the very limit so you're not alone there especially if you could have i mean i know vanarchy does it but um my gym doesn't either, but if you could have a uh, Smith machine that's that's completely vertical, um, mm. straight up and down completely, then it's like night and day. It's so it's such a good movement for 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 bench if your uh, Smith machine is straight up and down. I wish they made more of those. I wish they weren't angled. Um, shit pisses me off. But also the <laughs> the Smith machine at Vanarchy, you might not realize it because you've been using it for a while, but that Smith machine is super heavy. Um, there's very little resistance that that Smith machine gives. All it really gives is like angle, honestly. Um, it just kind of points you to an angle when you're, when you're, you're pressing. But if you were to lift on that machine, that Smith machine, and then immediately go into a different Smith machine, you would see the difference. You'd be like, wow. Okay. So this, like, if anything, I feel like the Smith machine at Vanarchy is like adding weight <laughs> versus taking off I was going to say, like... I I recall like way back when when I was training at PF because the only thing we had I mean years ago was that was you know the only thing they had was Smith machines so doing incline there and I remember at at those ones repping a plate no problem and then building up from there and I still use a plate as my warm up 
uh, here at Van, like for after you know, after my no weight just get blood flowing, my actual warm up set, uh, I yeah. use a plate, and and it's, now that I think about it, it's definitely a lot tougher than when I was doing it way back when. Um, but granted, I'm also a lot deeper into my journey and I'm focusing on different things. Like before you at, at PF, you're ego lifting, you're just throwing it a as much as you lifting. can. And, and, and now I'm more focusing on how it contracts my muscle, how I can isolate the muscle and use like less shoulders, use less arms, like just completely like perfect the movement. So I guess I'm a little bit, you know, biased in what my, my weight movement should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, if you tried it, you'd be like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> um, it, it really does make a difference. Like the Smith Machine at Planet Fitness is probably lighter. Most Smith Machines do provide some resistance. Um, that's part of the reason why they're angled a lot of the time, too, is to to provide some resistance uh, to what you're training. And obviously, Guy, you know that. But the one at Vanarchy, there's like almost no assistance <laughs> at all. Um, and the, uh, the grip, the actual... Um, peaks on the bar. I don't even know what to call it. Um, they're also pretty sharp as well. You can fuck up your hand from that Smith machine. Like the uh, grooves in the bar? Yeah. yeah. My hand's pretty hand calloused that. out, so I, I don't notice that stuff. Yeah, I gotta get mine, like, calloused back again because um, like yesterday's back day, quite a few of the pieces of equipment that I was using had, like, pretty hard uh grips like even the um i'll show you in a bit but even the um like i use these hand attachments for for lower back or like lower lap pull downs on a machine and like that one doesn't have any like rubberized grip around it you know you'd use it for like uh like you know one arm rows or whatever you know what i mean like there's like plastic handles you'd use on a cable machine so you use that on a plate loaded machine to have free free flowing like a free moving wrist attachment so those don't have any rubberized grip on it it's just plastic like cylinders there's four mm. of them around the whole grip so it's like hard on your hands um and they're pretty sharp so like that was fucking up my hands and then doing rack pulls was kind of fucking up my hands a bit with a sharp bar all that and then i did um i did uh v-bar uh rows or uh t-bar rows or whatever we'll call them and that was fucking up my my hands so i gotta get back my, i gotta get my calluses back they're still there um, they're just not as hard as they used to be, especially mm -hmm. at Vanarchy. Vanarchy's equipment will fuck you up, um, <laughs> which is awesome. I loved it there. But calluses were insane. But well, one thing that I that I noticed from that from from training is that ever since I went to Van, I uh, I stopped bringing in a gym bag. I just walk in with whatever I'm like my shoes sweatshirt like i don't bring in anything i don't even bring water anymore like i just walk in and train and um that means i'm not bringing in any lifting straps i'm not bringing any wrist wraps anything and i still train heavy but on let's say deadlifts or rack pulls or even dumbbell rows if i if i was trying to go super heavy like i'm not going to the extreme of the weight anymore because one thing that I've always lacked in is forearms and forearms is basically just your grip strength too. So I'm prioritizing making sure I'm building up my grip now. And because of that, I'm not using any reps and my palms are just, I've, I've never had as many grooves and bumps in my palms <laughs> as I do now mm -hmm. because 
even some of the bars, like the barbells are old, like ones that have, yeah. I'm going to, I call them personality notches where like, if you grab them the wrong way, it's like, Oh, <laughs> I'm getting poked by something. And, uh, it's, it's just fun. It's fun to train there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it'll mess you up. I mean, the dumbbells are really, really good for that. There's the, also the smooth dumbbells too. Um, that like make a hard trade too. They're like, uh, I don't really know what to describe. It's just the handle smooth and they're pretty mm. thick handles. And those are pretty, those give you a really good arm pump. Next time you do dumbbell curls for your biceps, just grab those. Trust me. Yeah. Really good arm, arm pump there. But, um, and then also do the, um, that, um, easy bar curl machine thing. Not really a machine. The easy bar curl with the pads. That thing will fuck the, you up. Oh, 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 okay. I thought you were talking about I the, know what to uh... call it. There, there, there's a cable preacher machine. I thought you were talking about that. That thing's legendary, no. though. I love a cable preacher. <laughs> yeah, that thing is pretty sweet. I wish I had one of those. But the uh, the easy the easy curl bar with the pads on it, mm-hmm. um, the way the weight is displaced, it's always pulling on your arms. So you curl up until the pad touches your arms, your biceps, and then you you obviously do the negative of the rep. And when you're at the top, the weight is displaced by about four inches or something. So it's still pulling, you know, it's not like you could rest yeah. it all up here. It's always pulling on you. So it's kind of like cable curls, but with a free weight, it's pretty sweet. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, one thing to, to not discount is that using, you know, grips doesn't necessarily mean you can't lift it with your forearms. It just also, you could use it as a tool to focus that, that muscle group. Um, I know, I know. I, I just okay. more I'm so, just saying. I, I know where my deficits are and I do my best to counteract them and build them up. Um, mm-hmm. For like, for example, like uh, when I was at Empire Rack Pulls, I could not grip for the reps I wanted to for what I was moving. And at the time was prioritizing how much I could move on a rack pull. So I would wrap those. Um, the one thing I will wrap and I'll make sure I have uh, – you know, lifting straps with me for that is uh, straight leg deadlifts because that's mm-hmm. the one movement I like. Hamstrings is such a like it, it's a muscle that a lot of people don't put the time and effort into that they should, and I'm cognizant of that. So I know that like on my hamstring movements, I take them super seriously, and straight leg deadlifts. I'm stretching the muscles so deeply and for so long, and I'm taking so long on my reps that if I even just a plate, like one plate on each side, I can't hold that for as long as I want to, to train my hamstrings. So that's the one movement that I'll, uh, I'll still strap up for. Yeah. I mean, anything you're going to be using your grip for a while, you should be using wrist straps. I mean, like I used them yesterday for rack pulls, and then also for T-bar rows, just so that I don't think about my grip at all. But that's the only time I did it. Um, and then like chest and bi or chest and bicep day, I don't use them at all. I use them on leg day for for Romanian deadlifts, uh, but that's it there. And then that's I think that's actually it. I don't think about it. I only use them a few times a week, really, and it's mainly just to focus that muscle group instead of focusing on my forearms. I mean, I got, yeah. I think I got decent enough forearms to really not have to worry about them. Like looks wise, strength wise, like you can never have strong enough forearms, but, uh, <laughs> I don't really think I need to like work on that. 
There, you know? there, there is one man who doesn't need any more strength than his forearms. Ramon's Ramon. forearms are just... <laughs> it's Dude. Like, boom! <laughs> it's ridiculous. When he was... That video, I, like, it really puts into perspective how big his forearms are. Because, like, mm-hmm. you see a lot of, like, big arms and, and chest and back and shit in these guys, right? It's not surprising. It's all fucking huge. But it really put in perspective because, you know, we only see photos and videos. You, you can't really even tell how big these guys are. But when we yeah. saw that video, that girl, like, massaging his forearm, and she could, like, put both of her hands like this <laughs> across his fucking forearm, I'm like, what the fuck? His forearms are his forearms are bigger than most dudes arms like <laughs> yeah absurd I, like i had to watch it a couple times i'm like is she tiny or is he just that big and i think it's she probably was a small chick but then he was also just that his forearms are just like huge too so it's like yeah. a combination of the two um but yeah that was that blew my mind dude <laughs> i had no idea that was absurd but when you just see him just like in the gym like his forearms like really like pull away from his actual arms like it's actually like it's crazy to see it but it is kind of a um hindrance to his physique like it is a negative trait of his physique which is wild because his his arms are massive too like (laughs) yeah it's not like he's general like his strength yeah it's it's not like he's you know like uh, um, Popeye, you know, like he's got like proportionate yeah. arms to any bodybuilder on stage. It's just his forearms are like, oh, you thought the bicep was cute? Pow! <laughs> I wonder what he does for him. Reminds me of um, oh, what's that guy with the crazy veins? Oh, I forget his name. Uh, there's a guy. He was a pro bodybuilder. I'm pretty sure. And, he uh he had a couple injuries and i think that's kind of what made him call it on bodybuilding but he uh i if you ask me any other day i swear i could have given you his name <laughs> but he uh he's got crazy forearms and he's just always trained forearms really hard and it's just like his thing is his forearms and the veins in his in his shoulders and his arms are fucking ludicrous it looks like almost like varicose <laughs> veins it's crazy one of his gimmicks is he um he has a bicep vein that's like it's thick as a, like a like a pen or like a sharpie marker and he um he pushes down on it on one side and then squeezes the blood out and you can see it go flat mm. and then he lets go and it like the blood rushes back in and it <laughs> fills back up yeah it's wild looking um yeah he he's uh he's pretty insane i gotta find him and send him to you but uh yeah ramon's forearms are ludicrous but then people don't realize how big men's open guys are until you see one yeah. in person you're like motherfucker like i almost guarantee you if you're listening to this and okay if you've seen a men's super heavyweight open or something like that then you'll know what i'm talking about but if you if you don't know if you have i was guarantee you haven't if you if you're thinking like oh i don't i don't know if i've seen a men's open competitor you haven't like a true actual pro like a pro mm. men's competitor men's open competitor is like out of this fucking world huge like we don't we don't give enough credit to how genetically gifted these guys are until you see them in person and you're like motherfucker i've never seen someone like that before in my life (laughs) um and you know i i still think about that to this day from that um seminar with steve weinberger like those two guys stepped on stage i'm like what the fuck am i looking at like i swore i could have seen men's open guys up until that point and I was like, dude, everybody I've seen is tiny in comparison to these guys. It's ridiculous. Um, and those guys, those guys at the seminar weren't even pros, right? They were amateur. No, open they're pros. Bodybuild- oh, 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 I, I was yeah, going to say not even, Olympia level. 
even even amateur open not that there's many of them because like at all the shows you've been to there's not even that many you know divisions if even a classification for for men's open at that you know level there is but it's mostly class physique now but yeah. you go either one one of two ways you either have like at the shows i've been to it's either like all classic like it's either the person competing is going for classic a few going for men's open even less just men's physique and then oh but a lot of guys in classic either do classic and men's physique or classic and open because classic can translate pretty well to both um yeah. but yeah men's open is definitely pro- prevalent but it's it's not nearly as big as people think it is you know the mm-hmm. guy the guys who i see win the men the men's open um division at the shows are not nearly as big as the pro dudes. Like they still got these these amateur guys still got to put on like 20 30 more pounds of muscle tissue at least before they can think about going pro or at least competing at the pro level, you know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing. And like that's how I knew like I knew I learned that's how I learned pretty pretty quick that I didn't have the genetics <laughs> that it wasn't, open. I was going to say the yeah. I feel like most people who are, who get into men's open and this is i'm saying it respectfully because this is how you know but they're just bigger people like they're they're either like i'd say gen like just because genetically is is your natural stuff and like naturally just a, like a football offensive lineman basically like that and then they've yeah. just whittled it down turned it into muscle and then um just built their, their physique from that I mean, it's also just natural genetics too. I mean, you look at like um, James Holling's head. He posted that. Video. I, I still remember that photo, seeing that for the first time. He was like 16, and that dude looked bigger than most dudes when they're 30. Like that's how you know you're supposed to be at that level because you just put on muscle like fucking crazy. It's just your genetics, and a lot of these guys too also don't put on a ton of fat either. Uh, yeah. They, you know, they're by the time they're 20, they're massive. You know, a lot of time we talked about it before where. A lot of the time, guys who are competing, you know, there's different ages where you you kind of peak and your 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 physique kind of fills out. Um, whether that's like earlier, like Chris Bumps, that's kind of earlier. You know, he's not going to be competing probably much into his 30s at all. It's all 20s for him. But then you'll have guys who are competing in their pros, like like Ronnie Coleman was um, competing in his you know at the Olympian and really at the pro level, like starting in his 30s. You know, so like yeah. you have these different guys who peak. But at the same time, like the difference here is men's physique and class physique, you can still catch up even if you're older. You know, I know guys who really started like focusing on bodybuilding at like 28, 29, and then they got huge by like early to mid 30s. And then now they're competing pro. But then men's open is a different world. You have to just be able to be huge just naturally. Like these guys will get pretty, yeah, they're pretty muscular and they don't even train. Like that's just how it is. And they don't realize it. Like there's, there's obviously way more guys who don't realize it um, until they become, you know, theoretically, if they get into bodybuilding. Like there's so many more guys who are like open bodybuilders than there are open bodybuilders. You know what I mean? It's like, um, like you never know if you're like a gifted baseball player unless you play baseball. You know, so like I'm sure that like the best baseball player humankind would have ever seen. We didn't. He didn't even know that he would be that gifted, you know, like he probably didn't even play baseball, you know, it's like shit like that. You know, it's like the best men's open competitor probably never even trained, 
Yeah. But we wouldn't know because he never trained. So a lot of these guys just, that's just how they are. And they don't realize it. You know, they drink and, you know, do whatever, eat like shit, whatever. And they still look decent in pretty muscular athletic builds. Um, but also, you know, you can kind of tell it too, like, especially if they're blue collar, there's some, some blue collar dudes that are fucking massive, but they eat like shit, drink beer all the time, smoke cigarettes. And you're just like, oh, it's just how it is. It's like, dude, you ever think about training, like <laughs> taking it seriously? And I was going to say men's open in, in the bodybuilding world, we'll call it athletic, but to everybody else in like different sports and whatnot, men's open physiques are no longer athletic. Those, those are no. like, like I, I'm just like to get the, the phrasing right. Because like, for us, we, we consider athletic because of what we know, what they do. Like for us, that is monumental. Yeah. But to the outside world, that's – and I actually had this conversation the other day because I, I don't use Snapchat much anymore, but I finally posted something because I just felt good in the gym. I posted a stringer picture, um, and it was I was just feeling good about it. And someone commented and said, please don't get gross huge. And that's that's kind of like what I, what what I'm getting at here is that to everybody else, men's open and maybe even top tier classic physique. Like when I showed my pic, my my girlfriend a picture of bump of C bum on stage, like that isn't aesthetic to them, but to us it is. So the word athletic is like used differently depending on who's saying it. Yeah, I mean, typically when somebody says an athlete, they think like sports performance. Yeah. Um, you know, running, jumping, catching, throwing, stuff like that. Um, bodybuilding and bodybuilders in general are absolutely athletes. Uh, a lot of the way athletes train is very similar to the way bodybuilders train. Um, granted, you know, there's different focus and all that, and there's different, you know, um, gives and takes. You know, obviously, hypertrophy is not about sports performance, but at the end of the day, like, I bet you any bodybuilder. Yeah, that's how it goes. Any uh, any bodybuilder at the end of the day could alter their training program to train like an athlete, and it wouldn't really be much of a difference, to be honest, at that point. Yeah, you know. So it's it's a it's a weird give and take, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they're not you know in the traditional sense athletes, but I think that I could easily call them professional athletes, one hundred percent. And I'd also one call bodybuilding theoretically an extreme sport in a way, because mm. you're putting your body through extreme things and you're, you're taking it to an extreme level. And at the, at the same time, I've always argued that bodybuilding, I mean, not necessarily men's physique. I mean, you can, but I would say, especially like men's open and then less. So the, the further down you get, um, is arguably the hardest sport out there. Um, not the most dangerous, or anything like that. Um, I'll put that up to Isle of Man, um, TT for, for motorcycle racing, um, and then rally racing after that. So I put that at the highest level. Like nothing will ever top that. But curling's below up that. Curl, yeah, curling. Shuffleboard. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement on um, Palooza. <laughs> darts. Dart, throw some darts, darts is electric, though. Can be. Can be. You could pierce someone with it too if you're not, if you're not safe. 
throw it right into someone's back. It just sticks. <laughs> the, our goal in bodybuilding is that when someone throws a dart on our back, the dart gets thrown back. <laughs> it bounces the, off the of dart bends senses. and falls. <laughs> like an That's anime metal ring. <laughs> I would be like I would be like the Hulk when somebody shoots me with a bullet, it just like bounces and it just creates like a little shock wave yeah. in like my chest. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. It'll bounce. It goes right through me. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong. I'm so very wrong. <laughs> I saw a video of a uh, of a tank shell being fired through a um not a body, but one of those like like make yeah. bodies like the Mythbusters use, and it just got obliterated. And I'm like, hold on, let me flex my chest. <laughs> really hard. It bounce right off. I'll deflect it like the armor tank, or the, <laughs> the armor on the tank. Ching! Gone. <laughs> yeah gone in the other direction um but yeah i would say bodybuilding is like one of arguably the hardest just because you eat sleep and breathe it literally mm. uh you have to it, you have to live it 24 7 you can't uh it, it's not like any other sport where you can go practice and go home and be done with it you know it's not um the other, like there's so much to it i could i could give a whole three-hour spiel on how <laughs> difficult bodybuilding is in comparison to other sports but um, you know, it's not to d discredit other sports. Other sports are difficult in their own way. I just think that overall bodybuilding itself is the hardest out there, uh, because very few people can do it. Anybody who's competed and quit will tell you it's fucking awful. It's, you have to be almost borderline masochistic in order to be into it. Um, I'm not masochistic at all, but I do love challenging myself, mm -hmm. uh, and pushing myself edge. to its limits. Yeah, exactly. I'm super, super competitive. And you have to be in bodybuilding. It's not a team sport. It's all up, it's all up to you. Your coach can tell you what to eat, tell you what to train, stuff like that. But it's up to you to execute it. And it's up to you alone. So, you know, it's only you and your mind. It's not a team. You can't you can't be just one cog in the machine and you're the entire machine. So um, it's very, very difficult. And you, like I said, you, you live it constantly. You can't just go train and go home and be done with it. You're always living it. And it just becomes part of your life. It becomes part of your lifestyle. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's similar in that sense to like, if you're a professional athlete, like Dick, David Beckham, which is a phenomenal, um, David Beckham's documentary is phenomenal. If you guys haven't watched it, I think it's on Netflix. Amazing documentary. Um, probably one of my favorites I've ever seen. It was, uh, it's amazing, but he still plays soccer or well for him football, but soccer all the time, you know, and we're back. Sorry guys. I don't know why if it cuts out, it's just because um of some sort of network issue i don't know why it does this sometimes last time it was completely fine so yeah not sure what the issue is anyways um where was i bodybuilding is difficult yeah so, we, oh yeah david beckham so yeah so david beckham will always play soccer right it's just part of who he is he's just he's played it for so long he's played it so constantly it's just something that is part of who he is so in bodybuilding or anybody who's trained for a very long time in the gym you just you're just always going to do it it's just part of who you are when i'm you know when i'm done focusing on bodybuilding i'll probably do like uh like two on one off two on two off or something you know so that, that way i'm like training like monday tuesday thursday friday or something like that and then off on the weekends that's probably like my plan um i think anything anything more especially when being off shit i could tell you like my body can't handle the recovery um i'm sore all the time so um, doing something like that would give me enough rest time and then also 
be able to help me focus on my actual life at the same time too. So I think that'd be perfect for me, but I'll always be trading. I'll never not be training. You know, I'll be fucking, I'll trade until my body literally can't do it anymore. You know, if my legs decide to go or arms, whatever it is, my elbows, whatever decides to go, or if I need to get surgery on shit, whatever, um, that's the only time I'll, I'll stop trading. And you yeah. can even find workarounds. Like when I had my hand in a cast, just hooking it into the hard part of the cast and just doing push movements. <laughs> yeah. You just train the left side. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that video is so funny. <laughs> yeah. That video is so funny. Hey, I man, saw but... it before you sent it to me and I didn't make a connection. I just thought I was like, oh, it's going to funny. But then you sent it. And I was like, dude, that's going to like with your hand. <laughs> hey, man, what do you try? So for, for reference, it's a video and it's like that one friend who always has the weird splits. Hey, man, what are you training today? Left. <laughs> he just does the left side. <laughs> Only left. Just the left side. And what, it, it left, pans, right, left, right. It pans over to him on a leg extension, and he's just doing leg extension while flexing. <laughs> it's so dumb. I love it. But uh, yeah, no, that's it's that made me laugh, and I forgot it was your it was your hand. I thought it was your ankle, but it was your hand. Well, my ankles really were messed up, up too. Uh, yeah, everything it, got yeah. messed up this past summer. <laughs> yes, which is true. Um, with that in mind, like, have you adjusted what your plans are for this year um, with the new year or anything like that? Or like, because yep. your injuries last year, like, what's your plan? Like, what are you going to do differently this year to avoid those injuries and all that, you know? Dude, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Another one. Uh, what's your plans for this year, given the injuries you had last year? Like, what's what are you going to do differently now? Yeah, so um, I mentioned this in the past, but my athletic career and everything has been, I called it retirement, but it probably is more so like just a halting because I can very easily play men's leagues later on in life, in life for whatever I want to play. Um, mm -hmm. But Softball was really where I tacked on the, the most injuries. Um, and so that's that's just completely gone. I, I, I cut that completely out. Golf, I never really get injuries from. That actually just helps improve my flexibility. So I'm basically, mm -hmm. for other than training, golf is just, you know, everything I do. Um, and I have pitched an, an idea to, to join my girlfriend and play soccer, but realistically, my cardio is never going to get that high like so i that's probably not going to happen well here's here's my thing with soccer is that if you're not that big of a runner um or like you can't run that long just don't play mid um yeah. i would say play either offense or this is also well, like if we're talking about a, a team that is able to have like a three two three you know setup or like a four one three whatever it is that way, you're not just on mid. You could also be goalie. That was one of my favorite positions was goalie too, and that doesn't require a lot of running. Yeah, you should run so you can get comfortable because you will be jogging back and forth, but it's not nearly like mid. Mid The midfield players in soccer just constantly run. So as long yeah. as you're not there, you should be fine. Well, yeah, and all through my years of playing, I've been a forward, so that's just what I would do. Um, but yeah, that also depends on my ankle health come season start because <laughs> – 
that's all on ankle. But yeah, so my ankles are messed, my knees are messed, and my right, well, my my left hand and my right elbow, like I'm, my body's messed up. So what my goal now is just I cut out all athletic things like sport wise and primarily focusing on just packing on as much weight as possible because for me i'm focusing on building up my legs again and obviously training is one thing i train my legs twice a week but adding like the more weight like the heavier you are the stronger your legs are just going to be as well because you have to walk around with that weight if i'm jogging yeah move around with that weight so very large people are super strong. Yeah. And actually a really great example of this was uh, Rogan had on, um, oh, shoot, what's the comedian's name? He looks like a little rat and he's big fat dude with stringy hair. But um, he, they were talking about calves and uh, this dude, and he's this big, big fat dude. And he, uh, he shows Rogan his calves. Oh, Stavros. You Stavros. About Stavros? Yeah, yeah. And his calves yeah, are yeah, like, okay just enormous and so that like mm -hmm. obviously i'm not going to get to that size but the goal being i'm kind of moving away from because more or less year round i have an aesthetic build just because of i'm athletic i have okay size but i'm moving away from that to just pack on as much of everything as i can right now um and my goal was in my head um I'm going to hop back on a song cycle. Um, I was going to do it for the new year, but financially I, I had to take a step back just because a lot of, you know, paid for the holidays, girlfriends, uh, birthday, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm going to start very soon and just annihilate it for three months. So and ideally it was going to be January, February, March. Now it's looking like mid-January to mid-March or uh, mid april i guess to make it the, the full three months um mm -hmm. and just pack on as much size as possible and then get to the summer and not really do a cut but just stabilize myself there maintenance maintenance exactly and then just basically see if not on any songs or anything if i can hold that for the summer it's trained the same way but just hold it throughout the summer and then do another bulk in that next winter because ideally in my head, not this summer, but the following summer, I wanted to get on stage for the first time. And my thing is always, I just mm -hmm. need more size. Like I've got tone in the areas that I want tone. I just need size. And then when I get the size, I'll whittle back down and get the tone. Like I know I won't have a problem with the tone. It's my problem is with the size. So I need to add as much size as I can. Um, and the diet is locked in. I'm <laughs> pounding a lot of food again. Um, and we're, it's, it's not quite to the point of force feeding because I'm able to time my meals a lot better now. Um, because I'm, I, <laughs> I'm eating while I teach now. There's it. So I have a mm. meal before I leave for the day. And then my first two periods, I'm like that. I'm, that I'm teaching. I eat while, <laughs> while I'm like teaching and then my fourth and fifth periods, I'm also eating. So I'm kind of a little bit luckier that I'm able to get away with that where I teach now. Um, because that was always my biggest problem. At the other place I was teaching it, I couldn't get away with that. So I wasn't able to, I had to take like six hours of no eating. 
because I even lost lunch breaks it's at a lot of days. So now I'm able to really, you know, time out my meals. Um, so mm-hmm. the goal, uh, I weighed in this morning at 2.11. Uh, the goal for the end of April, I'm going to say, because it's going to be mid-April, but I'll do a weigh-in at the end of April just to, like, have an extra week or two. But the goal for there is 225. So just getting 14 pounds tacked on, which it doesn't even have to be muscle. I'm just trying to tack on that weight. I think that's super realistic, especially hopping back on a SARM cycle. Um, and I'm adding um, I'm adding MK677 to it, which is going to make me want to eat even more and more and more. Um, so that built up to hopefully get to 225, maintain that for the whole summer. And then next winter, try and push for 250. And then uh, basically 250 whittle that down to, I think I have to be in the like 230s range for 6.4. I, I have to check the, uh, I have to check the the guide again. You know how the new measurements came out for, for weight class. Um, well, I mean, NPC, um, depending on the division, has its own, has its own weight class yeah. in comparison to IFBB. Um, IFBB, it's, it's very stringent and very particular, uh, usually. So like the NPC, uh, it'll be different weight ranges and height ranges. So like it might be, it, it depends on how many divisions. IFBB always has the same number of divisions each show or classes, I mean, within the division. So in NPC, there might be four divi- or four classes, you know, it might be five classes, might be six classes. It just depends on the classes. So Six four, you're almost always gonna be the the, the highest class. Yeah. So I would see I would see what that division calls for, um, or what that class calls for at the show. Theoretically, you end up planning on competing at, um, if you plan on competing, you know, summer of next year. I would see what shows, and also we're also talking NPC, which is non tested. I think that you should probably compete naturally in a national show. Um, mm. It'll probably be less people. You know, not as big of a show. I mean, NPC shows really aren't that big anyways, but um, it won't be that big of a show or anything like that. But you'll at least be up against fair competition Mm. where if you were to compete in NPC, you're going to be competing against guys who, you know, whether or not they have the same better or worse genetics than you, but they have the advantage of anabolics, Mm. which is night and day. So um, you're setting yourself, you're setting yourself up at a disadvantage against guys who are taking anabolics if you compete in the NPC. So I would say compete in a natural league. Guys still kind of are able to get by in the natural leagues with taking shit, but um, I would say to go for a natural league and just go from there yeah. um, and, and see what it's like. Because you're also like talking about with NPC, you're also talking about guys who take diuretics, who take, um, you know, very harsh fat burners, um, who take, you know, fucking insulin to drop their blood sugar for cardio, shit like that, right? So. Um, Shit like that. So I would put you, I would say, just give yourself the best, the best, um, even playing field you possibly can. So that's where, Mm. that's why I would say compete in the natural side of things. And if anything, um, especially if you could be like a successful natural competitor, one, it's not nearly as harsh on your body. So you could do it for a lot longer. Um, it's a lot more doable. Typically all it comes down to is cardio and food. Um, you don't have to, you're not going to be getting all these mood swings, mental shit and physical shit going on. So it's a lot more doable. And at the same time, you're going to, if you can compete naturally 
and look really, really good naturally, I would say you're going to get that much more respect from guys who do compete in NPC or IFBB mm -hmm. um, and take shit because a lot of us in NPC and IFBB wish we could do this naturally if we could, but yeah. you just can't. The level, the level that we could, that, you know, the NPC is even at the least requires anabolics basically. So um, I'll say that I would say that, that's kind of where I get away with stuff too. Cause I know that just, I mean, we, we have this discussion all the time, whether SARM's natty or not, but even prior to that, my athletic build has always been really, really good. So I, 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 yeah, I get so, away with a little bit more of the natural side of things where I know we've had the discussion, how your natural genetics aren't where you wish they would have been and how I kind of I mean, have that a little bit better. Not for power lift or not for bodybuilding, at least my, my, I don't know why I said powerlifting. I have nothing to do with powerlifting. My genetics do not promote bodybuilding. I put on a lot of fat, um, but I can also put on a lot of size whenever I want to, too. So it's a lot easier for me to bulk up than it is for me to, to cut as well. It's, it's just my, you know, it's the Northern European genetics that I have Northern mm -hmm. Northeastern Europe. Like it's like my body right now, it almost feels like it knows it's winter. So I'm just stacking on fat like crazy. Um, but I need, I do need to give it that anabolic push in order to lose the fat. But when I, now that I know what I can do to lose the fat, it's going to be easier in the future. But yeah, I think for you, your problem isn't kicking off the fat. It's putting on the weight, exactly. it's putting on the size. And that's going to be your biggest downfall. And I think, or like biggest hindrance, I would say, is definitely going to be just putting on size. And I would say most bodybuilders in general, that is the problem is putting on the size yeah. um, and size. A lot of the time, especially at the amateur level is what's going to win you shows um, lean, absolutely being lean for sure. But especially in classic men's open, it's almost always the bigger dude that wins. Yep. Not the leanest dude, you know? So, um, you know, I know a guy who competed at the national level recently and the only reason he lost, he was super lean, looked really good on stage the only reason he lost, he just didn't have the size, you know? So if he had the size, he would have won. Um, so I think that'd be, that'd be your biggest thing for you is just put on that size. Um, and then theoretically prior to a show, definitely working with someone who, um, knows prep at least and knows food yeah. and cardio and all of that to the point where you can get that lean, um, if possible, you know, naturally or get as lean as you can naturally, um, while not sacrificing as much muscle. Uh, you know, anabolics, that's what a lot of anabolics during prep helps with is, um, keeping on size or gaining size, like muscle size while cutting. Um, so doing that without anabolics is a, is a completely different world. So I would say to try to find someone who can help you with that as well. Um, that'll help you a lot too, but something I just found out recently, this is, this is going to be something you find funny. So technically there are steroids that are like by definition, a SARM because they are very selective in the tissue that, that it binds to. So one of them is actually trend. <laughs> Technically trend is a steroidal SARM. So that's what the term is steroidal SARM. So it's a, a steroidal selective engine receptor modulator. So it's very selective with tissue. That's what trend is developed for was literally just building muscle tissue. And it's very selective at that point. So trend is technically I'm going to get SARM and I just learned that I'm going to get TR tattooed on my uh, left bicep and EN on, on my right bicep. 
It should right. be the, the it should be the other way. That way, when we're looking at you, your right would be tr and then en. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not all there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, English teacher, let's go get the program. That's geometry. Um, but yeah, so I think that that'll that'll do you good. And competing is competing is a lot of fun. Um, I miss it, but I think uh, you just need the size. You just got to put on the size, and that'll take time. Yeah, but I think it's a and, good plan for you. I think. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and as for training, I'm back on a while back. I, I talked on here about an Arnold split that I was doing, where it's uh, a three. It's three days, three days, one off. Um, where it goes. Um, it's three days. Yeah, it goes, three days and then one off. It goes three days on, three days on, one off. Uh, what ends up turning into for me is three days on, one off, and then three days on. Um, just because in the middle of the week, I always have something that comes up. Mm. Like I'm ju- I just have okay. stuff that goes on. So I always have something that comes up. So I end up taking that rest in the middle of the week on Thursdays. Um, but it's uh, chest back on day one, uh, shoulders, arms on day two, and then legs on day three. Then it just repeats and I train each of those twice. Um, and what it ends up being too is that training two muscles in a week if you have the recovery in place it's doable but what ends up happening for me a lot of the time is my first chest back day i obliterate i go heavy 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 on my first chest back day and then when i get to my second one i'm not able to push the same weight well push pull since it's chest back i'm not able to move the same weight as i did on that first chest back day so what i end up doing is a lot more like fine tuning on areas that I want to add like a little bit more tone or maybe like I, I prioritize rows instead of a different movement on the first chest back day. So now I'm going to substitute something else or I'm going to do a variation of a movement. Like if I'm doing a lap pull, mm-hmm. maybe I'm doing a close grip pull down now or something like that. Just giving a little bit of variation um, just because yeah. it's not, it's not sustainable to do too heavy of the same same muscle every single week. So this is also for being able to do this plan for you know long periods of time, which I'm planning on doing. I'm planning on basically running this plan through next winter. That'll be good. I think it'd be fun. Um, that'll be almost a year. Shit. <laughs> That'd be a long time. Yep. I mean, I think that you should probably change it up well that's what the variations Over time. are for yeah okay well i mean i just mean the split like every so often maybe take like a couple weeks do a different split shock your body a bit and then go back to it mm. um because you'll get too comfortable for too long that's true you know I, I feel like that's probably what's gonna end up happening um like your body will adapt yeah and you'll get comfortable there so i would uh that's what i would do is something like that like every so often maybe every like Two or three months, take a week or two, do something completely different. Do like a six day on, one day off, or or maybe even less. Do like a two on, one off, mm. two on, one off, and just do that for a couple of weeks, and then get back to it the other way. Um, or do like a you could do like a three on, one off, two on, one off, or something. That way, you have the same rest day. You could just still do a Thursday rest day. Um, that way, you shock the body a bit. Um, I would say for something like that, change up the split as well. Uh, do like a dedicated back day and do like a, like a shoulder and a delt day or like a shoulder and a bicep or tricep day and then do like a shoulder 
or sorry, a chest, sorry, chest and like shoulder day or like a chest and buyer try day. And then do like a shoulder day, whatever the opposite of where we did there. Um, that'll shock it a bit. And then you can get right back to the, to the, like the Arnold split that you had going on there. Yep. Um, I know, I know plenty of guys who, who change up their split every two weeks, you know, they'll, they'll go two weeks on one thing, two weeks back, you know, they go back and forth between like two different programs. Mm. Um, they might have like, you know, um, a, uh, you know, more selective group, like what I'm bulking get next time I actually like do like a full push. Um, it'll be, you know, six on one off, like I'm used to. Uh, so that'll be, you know, chest day, arm day, delt day, back day, leg day, whatever I feel like doing for the split. But then like, you know, you could do something like that. These, these guys would do something like that. And then they'll do like one where it's like, like combined. It'll be like, uh, like chest tries, back buys, shoulders, legs, and doing that again, you know, in the same week, same six day split. Um, and they do that for two weeks, you know, um, that's that's what I've seen a lot of guys do too. So they're constantly kind of changing things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you should probably change it up at least every couple months for a week or something yeah. just to make sure that your body's not too adapted to it. Um, that's why like I changed my routine recently too. It's still two on one off, two on one off, but it's not, um, which we can go over another day. I got to screenshot it and all that, but, um, and I also got to see if this even works for me, this split. Um, basically what I'm doing now is, is chest tries, legs, sorry, no, chest buys, usually like one or two movements in abs, then legs, and then rest. And then it's um, shoulders, tries, abs, then a back day, then then rest. So, um, so now I have a dedicated back day, and my back day isn't close to my leg day. It was, it was uh, chest buys, back tries, rest, legs. And then a shoulder day with a touch up on arms. Mm-hmm. But um, now I was thinking about it more methodically. And I was like, it would be better if I spread out the legs and back more um, for better recovery. Because I really need to focus on recovery because I recover like shit now. So spread out the legs and back more. And then also because back is such a big uh, muscle group, I'm going to have that dedicated. Because it makes more sense to put like tries with shoulders because shoulders are a smaller muscle group than back is by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense recovery wise to put to put tries with shoulders rather than tries with back um, and having like a mostly dealt day. So that's what I'm doing now. And I'm also making sure that like I'm not hit because like when you hit chest, you also kind of hit shoulders and tries a little bit too, right? So I'm hitting chest and bias because those are their anterior muscle groups. Um, while one is resting, I can hit the other, but then it's enough recovery for whatever my shoulders and triceps activated for the following shoulder and try day to be like fully rested and ready to go. Yeah. So like, that's kind of how I did the split. And then I'm also, um, I'll show you the movements. Um, once I go through this full routine, make sure it works for me. But, um, I also did it so that every single movement, I have at least one warm up, which is like 14 plus reps. Um, that's super light, just kind of warming up, like actual genuine warm up. Like it's not difficult. I stop at 20 at most. Sometimes I'll stop at 14, just depending on the, if it's like a compound movement or something. And then I'll have like, uh, you know, if it's one or two warm ups after those warm ups, I'll have like a semi working set, which is it's heavy. It's, I probably like stop right about like one or two reps from failure. So I'm like, all right, I should probably call it at 12 or something. Cause I could maybe make it to 14, but 12 is, is pretty good. 
And then I'll have like a full blown like failure set where I go until the very end, usually like eight, eight to 10. And then I'll do a drop set depending on the movement. And that'll be exactly half of what my failure set was. So if I, my failure set was a hundred, I'll do a drop set of 50. Um, and that's how I've been doing a lot of my movements. And like my chest is so fucking sore right now. <laughs> um, and my back is sore from yesterday too. So it's like both like pushing and pulling is sore right now. It's fucking awful. And chest I hit two days ago and I'm still fucking dying. So um, that's my new like idea. And I mentioned it to you, but um, I did have like for a while mindset. I'm like, I'm not really going to focus. Like I didn't want to log my weight too much or anything like that because I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's like I'm my, my genetics is so shit. It don't matter. I'm not going to make any gains. But I was like, you know what? That's not my mindset for most of the time I've been training. You know, my mindset was how hard can I push it? Can I build this? Like I wanted to improve myself. So yep. why not also do that? Because like I'm all, all I'm going to do by not pushing myself is only making it harder for myself later. You know, I'm pro- postponing the effort, right? So if I could put in the effort now, it's going to be easier later when I am actually in a push phase in order to build the muscle back up and lose the fat rather than it'd be easier than if I push it now too versus taking it easy now and then pushing extra hard then. Yeah. Um, and it's better for you. It's also going to be better for me in general to push it now and then not have to push it as hard then to make up for my lack of effort now. But um, I did say in my Snapchat story yesterday, I'm not, if you listen, I'm not sure if you listen to it or not, but basically I'm, I'm at this point, I'm really happy that I'm not in a position where like I need to be on shit 24 seven. Um, and now that I know what I know, um, I'm totally fine with coming off shit to have everything go back to normal because, um, the more I learn about fertility, the more I realize how sensitive it is. And, you know, seeing guys who, who go viral because of how they look and, you know, uh, they look great. Like Sam Sulik is a good example. A lot of respect for Sam Sulik. Great dude from the videos I've seen. Um, seems really down to earth, always smiling, all that shit, right? Dude has a great physique. You know, he's got some time to put on the mature physique and proportions and all of that. But at the end of the day, if he does this probably for another couple of years, he probably won't have kids. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that's where I'm like, all right, I'm okay not doing that because I want to have kids and I want to have my own kids. You know, I don't want to have to adopt because I'm sterile because I decided to get huge for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm totally fine with, with, uh, you know, coming off for a few months so I could properly get back to fertility. And at the end of the day, you know, your kid's going to last the rest of your life, hopefully, you know, you don't obviously, you know, something bad could happen, but hopefully your kid's going to last the rest of your life. And, and these few months that I'm off shit is going to be a blip. I'm going to forget about it. Yep. You know, I'm going to forget what it was like. It's going to feel like nothing. So it sucks in the moment, but later on, I'm going to be so glad that I did once we actually pop out that baby and I'll be able to hold my kid in my arms. Um, that's, it's all going to be worth it. So that's my mindset now. And I also don't want to like, this is the other thing too that I, that I saw recently was like, ask yourself why, like, why am I not doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, and your answer is probably going to be fucking dumb. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, why am I not eating properly? Oh, because I don't like the taste. 
that's fucking stupid. Yep. <laughs> like if you really think about it, it's like, oh, why are you eating that pizza? I don't want to take good. the time to cook. That's yeah, exactly. Like that sounds so dumb. So that's the other thing I've been doing too. It's like, why am I not training hard? Because I don't feel like it. Hmm. Well, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> that's a stupid reason. So um, that's the other thing I've been doing lately too. And that's been helping a lot too. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with it. So I'll update you guys, everybody listening next weekend, um, how my training's been going and what the routine is. We'll go through it, kind of dissect it a bit. Uh, the philosophy is there. The, mind, the mindset is there. Uh, it's just executing and seeing if it works for me, um, making sure that it does. Because I'm very much a believer in drop sets and pyramid sets for myself, at least. I don't do any straight sets, nothing like that. So I'm going to go back to my roots um, with this, with this, uh, training program that I wrote for myself, um, and kind of just go from there and see what happens, but I'll update you guys next week and see how it's going. Hell yeah. The cool. answer was Michael Warren, well, everyone for who's behind us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Always. Michael Hearn is, is, is the savior. Um, but cool. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next weekend with another episode. Appreciate you guys listening. We will see you guys later. Train hard, eat. Eat big, get frosty. big. Eat big, get big. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Peace.